Earth podcast with your host, Jake Weaver, engineered by Cedric Swan. Hey, everybody, we are back with another episode of Midnight on Earth. I'm your host, Jake Weaver, and we're here to bring you more knowledge, more light, and more love. Beyond the News! It is a Beyond the News episode this week. As you know, or maybe not, depending on when you signed on to be a permanent listener to the show, every seventh episode, so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, Beyond the News... Every seventh episode, we comb Earth's news feed. We find all of this strange, unreal, out there news, but it is real. And we aggregate that and we bring this to you. And it's what we call Beyond the News. It's really fun. You're going to learn some things that are happening because you know what? What we talk about, you're not necessarily going to find in mainstream media, though these are mainstream sources, right? They're just not what is shown in the spotlight. And for our Beyond the News episodes, we have a guest, a guest co-host. She's here with me now. Ladies and gentlemen, from Vinyl Force Herbs, Bryn Anderson. <laughs> wow, that was quite the intro. Yes. Thanks. So happy you're here. Yet another Beyond the News episode. We've read so many articles over the months, previous episodes that are still available. And here we are doing it again. There's just more news that's going to shock you and startle you. More news. I look forward to these episodes. Uh, How are you feeling? Stuff. Great. All right. Feeling great. How about you? I feel amazing. Uh, I've had a great run of guests as usual. And uh, the lecture episodes that you're a part of are also very powerful and amazing. Uh, And yeah, everything's looking up. Every time I look at the stats, people, there's more countries believe it's 124 now it's probably more that was just the last time i checked 124 countries thousands of listeners and it's just amazing because every time i check new people come on they send me messages on instagram and other places and i can see when they binge or whatever they listen to consecutive episodes They're loving it. And then they stay on. And I just love that. So every week it's growing. Every month it's growing. New people, new countries, the information's getting out there. These guests, it's amazing. So yeah, that's, that's what's been happening. I just want to thank you guys all out there. And thank you, Bryn, for helping to facilitate that by being the guest co-host so many times. Mm -hmm, But yeah, I'm excited about that. It's just, it's, it's growing. Midnight on earth is growing. Fabulous. Fabulous. But yeah, so here we are. Beyond the news, people. We have these articles lined up. We're going to go through them together. 
We're going to read them. We're going to talk about them as we read them. But before we get to that, I need you to do something for me. Go to bluecobracbd.com. That is bluecobracbd.com. And there you will find Blue Cobra CBD oil, the highest quality CBD oil available on the market, period, because the extraction method, how the CBD is extracted from the hemp flower is a proprietary method. It was developed by a man named Howard Hick, a.k.a. Big H. It's called the HIT extraction method. No chemicals, no solvents, no gases, completely natural. It's a completely organic product. The flower is 100% organic and organ grown. Some of the best in the world, I imagine. It's a family-owned business. There really isn't anything like this product. There's maximum strength, king cobra, regular strength, little king cobra, and wild thing. CBD for pets, which people have been giving to their pets and experiencing great results. I have a discount code. It is big H just like Howard hit the word big, the letter H you put that in the box at checkout. You get free shipping on any order in the continental 48 everywhere else in the world. Please check your laws <laughs> to see if you can get this product. I think you can CBD's pretty unlocked around the world, but you want to have the best of anything you put in your body, the best food, the best water, the best air. If you're doing these substances, recreational substances, supplements, anything to neutrify your body, you want to always be doing the highest quality. This is the highest quality highest quality CBD product out there. And Howard hit, he's 76 years old. He lives in the state of Oregon and he did a virtual panel called blue Cobra peeps, which is on YouTube. I was on the panel twice now. And I just talk about my experience with blue Cobra CBD and it's all real people. It's all real. So check it out. BlueCobraCBD.com. That is BlueCobraCBD.com. And when you're done with that, follow me on Instagram at midnight underscore on underscore earth. That is the address. You can follow me there. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. Wherever you go to get your podcast, whatever app you use or interface, there's a button that connects us. Click that button so you know exactly what's going on all the time. And most importantly, tell a friend, tell someone that you know that loves these type of podcasts. They're your friends. You know them well. You hang out with them. They're incredibly intellectual and funny and fun, just like us. Tell them about us, midnightonearth.com. Okay, so here we are. We're creeping up on our 100th episode, which is phenomenal. 
and the support is growing. The Midnight on Earth community is growing. I'm loving it. And we're going to dive into these stories. Are you ready, Bryn? I'm so ready. I'm Are you ready, I am ready to hear these stories? Yes, I am always curious to see what you have dug up. I just want to thank the people again and just thank the Midnight on Earth audience. I'm just having a moment here. That's the best <laughs> thing about these Beyond the News episodes is that I get to stretch out. It's, there's no guests. It's just me and Bryn and these stories and you, the listener, we're hanging out. It's casual time. It's it's casual Friday. It's funky Friday. <laughs> in, in a way. So yeah, I just want to thank you guys again. This is incredible. We're growing. We're growing because of you, because of the guests, because of the information. It's so truthful. It's so real. It's so positive. It's the antidote to fear. It's the polarity to fear it's faith it's happiness it's all these wonderful things so thank you guys again for uh supporting midnight on earth we're going to keep it going we're going to keep it rolling let's let's do it together okay here is the first story cnn.com headline u.s military confirms an interstellar meteor collided with earth what i was wondering what the hell hit me in the head the other night i was coming home and i was like <laughs> what the ow okay here we go something's been going on okay <laughs> one meteor this. traveled quite a long way from home to visit earth researchers discovered the first known interstellar meteor to ever hit earth according to a recently released United States Space Command document. An interstellar meteor is a space rock that originates from outside our solar system. A rare occurrence, they're saying. This one is known as, the very common name, CNEOSCENIOS 2014-108, and it crash-landed along the northeast coast of Papua New Guinea on January 8th, 2014. So wait, why are we just finding out about this now? The finding came as a surprise to Amir Siraj, who identified the object as an interstellar meteor in a 2019 study he co-authored while an undergraduate at Harvard University. Siraj was investigating Amuamua, the first known interstellar object in our solar system that was found in 2017 with Abraham Loeb, professor of science at Harvard University, who I'm still trying to get on the show. Siraj decided to go through NASA's Center for Near-Earth Object Studies database to find other interstellar objects and found what he believed to be a interstellar meteor within days. Siraj, though, has had difficulty getting his findings published in a journal because his data came from that database, which doesn't divulge information such as how accurate the readings are. Interesting. 
After years of trying to obtain the additional information needed, they received official confirmation that it was, in fact, an interstellar meteor from John Shaw, deputy commander of the U.S. Space Command. The command is a part of the U.S. Department of Defense and is responsible for military operations in outer space. Wow. Okay. Interstellar objects. I mean. There's probably more than that one. <laughs> I'm going to guess. Just take a wild stab. But that's probably not. I mean, one. it's like the size of a pebble. Okay. So what do we have next here? Okay. This is interesting. We're just going to jump around a bit today. There's a lot of little microcosms. And then there's a couple main subjects that we're going to touch on towards the middle part. And as always, we have that funny ending. Okay. Newatlas.com headline audacious plan hatched to build a floating city in South Korea. As concerns about rising sea levels continue to grow, the idea of people living in climate resilient and sustainable floating cities is beginning to gain traction. UN habitat, the Bjark Engels group, SAMU, it's part of Samsung, Oceanics, and others have joined forces, like the Justice League, to research this further and plan to build a prototype floating city in South Korea. The project, which involves too many firms to rattle off here, was first unveiled back in 2019, but has developed considerably since then. The initial prototype is named Oceanics Busan due to its planned location off the coast of the South Korean city of Busan. So it's probably Oceanics Busan. <laughs> Oopsie daisy. That's okay. It will consist of three main floating island platforms that will connect to the nearby shore. It's expected to host up to 12,000 people and the platforms will host housing, social areas with bars and cafes, as well as research areas, because they're probably studying all these people living on a floating city. The prototype floating city could have the potential to grow up to 20 islands and many more people, though. Wow. So now we're moving out. Floating cities. I mean, that seems to be the premise of several futuristic sci-fi movies somewhere, at least parts of the concept. But then what happens with a tidal wave? Mm. And they have to be able to roll, right? Like tidal waves, big, big tidal waves. They right, have to, they'd have to be able to stay on yeah, the surface and float. Yeah, no they have to be what. in a bubble almost. Okay. Hmm. I just discovered the secret of the Atlantean cities. I'm just kidding. <laughs> or not. It's Atlantis too. Next article, theartnewspaper.com. Headline, Christie's uses hologram technology to take a $20 million Degas sculpture on tour. The hologram produced by the Los Angeles-based company Proto is currently on view at Christie's San Francisco and will next be transported via the cloud to Hong Kong. And here's the article. Among the most tangible consequences of the global pandemic have been the stark rise in oil prices 
and the spike in shipping costs. In March, the cost of oil reached its highest in 14 years, and estimates for shipping art jumped 8 to 12 times higher than recent prices. Who knew? Artists knew. I did not. Christie's, however, may have found a futuristic way around the sky-high costs and shipping bottlenecks affecting traditional methods of transporting art. Proto, a three-year-old company based in Los Angeles, has partnered with Christie's to take one of the highlights of the auction house's May sales, a sculpture by Edgar de Goss, on tour as a high-end hologram. So it's not actually the sculpture. It's just a really epic hologram. Okay. (laughs) In the past, what are commonly known as holograms were expensive one-time installations. Proto has developed large display cases and software that produce convincing, interactive, volumetric displays, holograms that allow realistic images to be shown in what looks like three dimensions. The units are easily transported and the images even more so. So the holographic reproductions can be sent anywhere in the world that has a proto device. Wow. What? Okay. So essentially there's a, there's an upside and a downside to this upside is there could be beautiful hologram museums where you have essentially a 3D visual, at least, reproduction of these sculptures and pieces of art that you can't really touch anyway. Like (laughs) You're not only getting to see these, but there are probably ones, rare ones that could be from all over the world just right at once. Like I said, there's no chance of you getting a chance to touch those things. You wouldn't want to anyway. So it is kind of interesting. Downside is, yet again, these people aren't thinking about art in a multidimensional way. These beautiful sculptures, these paintings, these true pieces of art contain the energy of the artist. Right, the I was intention. Say, they have their own vibration. Yeah, just- that, the intention, the creation, all that energy that's not just in the physical representation of the art. It goes along with the art as a feeling, and you cannot replace that. I'm sorry, Christie's. You cannot replace that <laughs> nope. with a hologram. You can maybe, it can be in several museums at once. That's kind of cool, but it's, like you said, it could it could introduce people to the work of that artist, but it's not actually well, getting to experience and that And you get art. to see it in a really highly detailed three-dimensional way. Kind of get there and then inspires you to go seek out the real piece, I guess. Yeah, that could be a plus. Okay, next article, CNBC.com headline, How Robots and Indoor Farming Can Help Save Water and Grow Crops Year-Round. Let me tell you something, people. We don't need robots. We just need hippies that love to grow weed. Let's get them growing food. Just pay them like as much as they get for their cannabis, their legal cannabis. Okay. Here's the article. Agriculture may feed the world, but is also contributing to global warming, some scientists say. Agriculture production uses about 70% of the Earth's fresh water 
and makes up about a third of greenhouse gas emissions, some people say. But it doesn't have to. Farming is moving inside, and farmers aren't exactly what they used to be. New forms of farming, new technology, and new companies are greening the greenery. Interesting. I can think of other ways that it doesn't have to be like that, but could also still be outside. But that's a different article. Well, take, for example, Grover and Phil, there are autonomous robots or farmers of the future working at Iron Ox, a six-year-old Silicon Valley-based farm tech startup. Okay. A lot of adjectives there. <laughs> it grows produce in natural light greenhouses with the goal of decentralizing farming in order to grow crops closer to consumers in a more sustainable way. Iron Ox does not consider itself vertical farming, which is another type of technology designed to limit greenhouse gases by growing in smaller spaces. And Iron Ox is now expanding to Texas, just outside Austin. It sells to retailers such as Whole Foods as well as to local restaurants. Wow. And it has a lot of backing. Good old Bill Gates, Crossley Ventures. It's raised $98 million. Yeah, you know, it's this kinda, one feels weird. I'm yeah. going to say this article feels weird. To I, me, it feels kind of like the art a little bit. It's like the growing food isn't like the sun and the rain and the wind and the the communication between the different plants and the insects and the animals. Like that's a whole thing. Look, there's energy in starlight. Our beautiful sun, if you remember, is also or always has been a star. <laughs> starlight. <laughs> It's starlight. You're growing starlight. Yeah. And, and you're then eating the star. starlight. Yeah, you're eating starlight. You can't. This is, again, the quantum multidimensional perspective that these technologically focused people have not incorporated. When they do, oh, man, the glove, uh, the brakes are off. <laughs> Farm tech. Okay, look, this is going to be kind of darker. So here we go. Let's uh -oh. just. This is interesting. It's oh, strange news. It was already kind of dark. But anyway. This strange news. You know, it's just weird. Okay. This is from cbsnews.com. Headline, police found 150 skulls at a crime scene, so they thought, in Mexico. It turns out the victims, mostly women, were ritually decapitated over 1,000 years ago. Oh. So they find these skulls and they think that something happened. Maybe it was like a mass grave or something of that effect but it turns out it was a mass grave but far older here's the article when mexican police found a pile of about 150 skulls in a cave near the guatemalan border they thought they were looking at a crime scene and took the bones to the state capitol it turns out it was a very cold case it took a decade of tests and analysis to determine the skulls were from sacrificial victims killed between AD 900 and 1200. The National Institute of Anthropology and History said Wednesday. Believing they were looking at a crime scene, investigators collected the bones and started examining them. Believing they were looking at a crime scene, Investigators collected the bones and started examining them in Tuxla Gutierrez, the state capital, 
the institute known as INAH said in a statement. Experts said Wednesday the victims in the cave had probably been ritually decapitated and the skulls put on display on a kind of trophy rack known as a Zompontli. Holy sh- What? Spanish conquistadors wrote about seeing such racks in the 1520s. And some Spaniards' heads even wound up on them. Ah, man. There's so much energy in that time. I can't even think about it. So we're going to move to the next article. Because that was like too dark and weird. Like, I don't, uh, oh man, a thousand people. Like, these were humans ritually decapitated for what? Who wants human blood? Not any divine source that I could think of that I work with. The energy I work with does not require those type of blood sacrifices. Oh my God. Yeah, no thanks. And that same year, artifacts found at a nearby ruin site revealed evidence from when hundreds of people in a Spanish-led convoy were captured, sacrificed, and apparently eaten. Ooh. Because they're flavorful. I, I mean... Where's the, I wonder how they know that they were Spanish eaten. It's a Spanish flavor. It's that uh, Latin seasoning. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Here's the next article, SciTechDaily.com. Headline, new research reveals the surprising effects of extended space flight on astronauts' brains. Oh. It's got to do something. Researchers at the Oregon Health and Science University determined that long-duration space flight alters fluid-filled spaces along veins and arteries in the brain. The study will be published in the journal Scientific Reports on May 5th, 2022. These findings have important implications as we continue space exploration, said senior author Juan Piantino, assistant professor of pediatrics in the OHSU School of Medicine. It also forces you to think about some basic fundamental questions of science and how life evolved here on earth. Human physiology they're saying is based on the fact that life evolved over millions of years while tethered to earth's gravitational pull unbound by the forces of gravity. The normal flow of cerebrospinal fluid in the brain is altered in space. Researchers decided to find out how much they were altered by measuring perivascular spaces where cerebrospinal fluid flows in the brain. Piantino said the study could be valuable in helping to diagnose and treat earthbound disorders involving cerebrospinal fluid, such as hydrocephalus. These findings not only help to understand Fundamental changes that happen during space flight, but also for people on Earth who suffer from diseases that affect circulation of cerebrospinal fluid. She said, wow. Okay. So the fluid detaches from the gravity and it moves around in a non Sounds like it makes the spaces bigger or something. It doesn't really say what happens in space per se, but... Definitely. We'll find out. You'll Definitely you get super change, superpowers. <laughs> Ask Jim Shooter. Okay. Marketwatch.com. 
Headline, Waymo set to launch fully driverless vehicle service in San Francisco. Here's the article. Waymo, the self-driving unit of Alphabet Incorporated, that's Google, said Monday that it is ready to introduce a fully autonomous driving service in San Francisco. Here's a quote. We're now ready to begin introducing the Waymo driver in fully autonomous mode with no specialist behind the wheel in the city as a major step on our path to deploying a fully autonomous commercial service. Waymo co-chief executive Takedra Mawakana said in a blog post. Waymo's distinctive electric Jaguar I-Pace vehicles with sensors on the roof have become a common sight in San Francisco in recent years, driving back and forth, learning the city streets and occasionally hitting the same dead end. Last August, Waymo started a test program that offered free autonomous taxi rides in its vehicles to select users in San Francisco with safety drivers behind the wheel. That program involved hundreds of volunteer passengers, Waymo said. Earlier this year, Waymo won state regulators' approval to charge for taxi rides in its autonomous cars with a safety driver present, but it will need a separate approval to charge for completely driverless rides. Phoenix is currently the only market where Waymo operates a fully autonomous taxi service to the general public. I had no idea that was happening in Phoenix. I didn't know that was already happening. There's driverless taxis. Okay. And this one is from futurism.com. Headline, former Google exec warns that AI researchers are, quote, creating God. They wish. According to a former Google executive, the singularity is coming. And what's more, he says that it poses a major threat to humanity. Mo Gaudet, formerly the chief business officer for Google's moonshot organization, which was called Google X at the time, issued his warning in a new interview with the Times. In it, he said that he believes artificial general intelligence AGI, the sort of all-powerful sentient AI seen in science fiction like Skynet from Terminator, is inevitable. And that once it's here, humanity may very well find itself staring down an apocalypse brought forth by godlike machines. Godot told the Times that he had his frightening revelation while working with AI developers at Google X who were building robot arms capable of finding and picking up a small ball. After a period of slow progress, Godot said that one arm grabbed the ball and seemed to hold it up to the researchers in a gesture that to him seemed like it was showing off. And suddenly... I realize that this is really scary, Gadat said. It completely froze me. The reality is, he added, we're creating God. Wrong. That's just like his weird ego, ego thing. 
There's no shortage of AI fear mongers in the tech industry. Elon Musk has repeatedly warned the world about the dangers of AI someday conquering humanity, for example. But that kind of speculative outlook somewhat glosses over the real hazards and harms linked to the AI we've already built. So now we have a new term, AGI. This AI has now stepped up. Everybody's going to be talking about AGI, artificial general intelligence. You heard it here first. <laughs> oh, here, here's some good AI that's helping us. This is from Euronews.com. Headline, these seed firing drones are planting 40,000 trees every day to fight deforestation. And here's the article. Let's face it, it says, talk about biodiversity loss at a party and you're unlikely to make friends. Talk about an army of seed firing drones, however, and suddenly you're the coolest person there. Well, believe it or not, I know who wrote this, right? <laughs> believe it or not, an Australian startup is doing exactly that. Using a fleet of highly advanced octocopters, air seed technology is fighting deforestation by combining artificial intelligence with specially designed seed pods, which can be fired into the ground from high in the sky. Each of our drones can plant over 40,000 seed pods per day, and they fly autonomously, says Andrew Walker, CEO and co-founder of Air Seed Technologies. In comparison to traditional methodologies, that's 25 times faster, but also 80% cheaper. Before takeoff, each drone hopper is loaded with specially selected seed pods compatible with the habitat below. These pods are manufactured using waste biomass, providing a carbon-rich coating that protects the seeds from birds, insects, and rodents. Once airborne, the drones navigate fixed flight paths, planting to predefined patterns and recording each seed's coordinates. This allows Airseed to assess the health of their trees as they grow. The company has planted more than 50,000 trees and aims to plant a total of 100 million by the year 2024. Wow. That's a lot of trees. So this is like technology helping us rebound after our realization, oh my God, we're destroying the earth with our overconsumption and lack of a sustainable mindset. But here's technology to help us out and we can fix it really fast, way faster than if we approached it with strictly human energy, like human physical energy, like people combined you're not planting that many trees a day and that's going to continue. It's going to be planting crops. It's going to be a lot of different things. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. Hopefully they're um, putting together like a, you know, a forest mix or a meadow mix, not just planting all one, you know, hundred million of the same tree or something like right. that. Right. Which yeah. get wiped it out. It sounds like fast, the owner is yeah. very sustainably minded and understands the things like soil microbiodiversity. Yeah, that's cool. It's very interesting. Okay. Yahoo.com headline Egypt ruins of ancient temple for Zeus on earth and Sinai. 
Here's the story. Egyptian archaeologists unearthed the ruins of a temple for the ancient Greek god Zeus in the Sinai Peninsula, Antiquities Authorities said Monday. The Tourism and Antiquities Ministry said in a statement, the temple ruins were found in the Tel Alfarma archaeological site in northwestern Sinai. Tel Alfarma also known by its ancient name, Pelusium, dates back to the late Pharaonic period and was also used during Greco-Roman and Byzantine times. There are also remains dating to the Christian and early Islamic periods. Mustafa Waziri, Secretary General of Egypt's Supreme Council of Antiquities, said archaeologists excavated the temple ruins through its entrance gate where two huge fallen granite columns were visible. The gate was destroyed in a powerful earthquake in ancient times, he said. Excavations at the area date back to early 1900 when French Egyptologist Jean Cladet found ancient Greek inscriptions that showed the existence of the Zeus Kaisios temple but he didn't unearth it, according to the ministry. Zeus Kaisios is a conflation of Zeus, the god of the sky in ancient Greek mythology, and Mount Kaisos in Syria, where Zeus once worshipped. Interesting. So there was that period. I mean, Cleopatra was Greek, so there is a lot of Greco-Egyptian crossover. And next one, we're diving into the world of extraterrestrials. This is from the NewYorkPost.com headline, NASA to launch naked pictures of humans to space in hope of attracting aliens. Oh, God. <laughs> I have to admit, NASA, human women are stunningly gorgeous. So let's just, I get it. Maybe the alien, I, I see where your thinking's at. Okay. We'll see if it actually works. Like, wow. Okay, here's the uh, content here. Let's listen to the article. NASA the scientific thinking behind this. Yeah, we're going to listen to this. We're going to figure it out. NASA scientists plan to launch pictures of naked humans into space in the hope of luring aliens to us. Okay. The depictions will also include an invitation to respond should an intelligent alien race find the space nudes. Fortunately, the hypothetical alien shouldn't be too shocked by the unsolicited nudes the pictures aren't graphic photographs of naked humans but a drawing of a naked man and a woman next to a depiction of dna the man and the woman are waving in an attempt to look more inviting nasa scientists revealed the image in a study that's part of a project called the beacon in the galaxy and the main aim of the Beacon in the Galaxy project is to send a message to any alien civilizations that could be out there. Scientists think the pixelated illustration of a naked man and woman waving hello could help us finally make contact with extraterrestrials. Along with the nude figures in a DNA depiction, the scientists have also tried to depict gravity. (laughs) 
How do you do that in a picture? Okay. This all adds up to become an updated binary coded message that can be sent into space. Scientists think that a binary coded message is most likely to be understood by aliens. (laughs) And they know that because. (laughs) Wow. They have some info. It's. uh, Wow. we're, We're looking at the picture. It looks like it was drawn kind of like on an etch a sketch. Right? Yeah, it kind of reminds me of like a 90s, like a Nintendo kind of. Oh, you man. Know, like, I don't like this guy's pretty in shape. <laughs> I like the DNA. That looks kind of cool. Well, we're going to scare the cool. aliens because it only looks like we each have two toes in this picture. Yeah, they might be like, ah, let's skip over that. And planet. that doesn't even look like a DNA. No, like, that looks like kind of like a some kind of insect. They might think that's... Maybe that's like their pet. They could think that that's the like the overlord and we're the slaves of the spiral alien. Uh, yeah, they could. Okay, so let's move on. <laughs> I'm uh, excited to see uh, what comes back. Let's well, hear all the aliens that are going to be like, oh my God, <laughs> that was it. That was it. I finally got the message. Well, maybe they won't get the message because according to the telegraph.com, Headline, there's a reason why aliens haven't visited Earth yet, says scientists. Okay. Because of that picture? The Fermi Paradox questions why aliens have never visited Earth, despite the universe being so old and so vast that races could have and should have evolved interstellar travel and come calling by now. Now, two scientists believe they may have the answer. What, that they're just like not already here? Come on, people. Astrobiologist Dr. Michael Wong of the Carnegie Institute for Science in Washington and Dr. Stuart Bartlett of California Institute of Technology have hypothesized that civilizations burn out when they grow too large and technical. <clears throat> Faced with an ever-growing population and eye-watering energy consumption, Worlds hit a crisis point known as a singularity where innovation can no longer keep up with demand. I don't like this guy's perspective. Eh. This It doesn't seem because zero point energy is infinite. So you can't like you're evolving. You start tapping into the infiniteness of all of this. Yes, the Fermi paradox. Okay, sure. But this is what he says. We propose a new resolution to the Fermi paradox civilizations either collapse from burnout or redirect themselves to prioritizing homeostasis, a state where cosmic expansion is no longer a goal, making them difficult to detect remotely. All right, look. So is he saying These that, two doctors are saying this. Okay. Saying that by the time they got to the point of being able to have interstellar and travel us, then their societies would have collapsed and so then they didn't right because Which, there's no room for growth except for the contact would be the growth there's no real thinking in this uh, it's just very sterile so these guys dr wong i'm sorry i'm sorry dr wong <laughs> don't agree but you're wrong in All my right. eyes okay so i mean and also they're already here people and i bet these ladies know Oh, yeah. This is from CBS8.com. Headline, microdosing magic mushrooms, a growing trend among San Diego moms. Dang, I'm hanging out with the wrong moms. 
More people than you could possibly imagine have an in-the-closet relationship with mushrooms, said one California mom. We've moved into psychedelics here. Recent studies have shown psychedelic mushrooms can treat or even cure depression. Now, more and more moms are coming forward admitting to taking the illegal drug in small doses. It's called microdosing, and according to one North County mom who does it, it's growing in popularity in San Diego. Michaela, who asked that her last name not be used, knows what she's doing is currently illegal, but she feels so strongly about the benefits of microdosing magic mushrooms, she wanted to share her story. It's so necessary for some of us to be out and forward because we need to move the needle. We need to help give permission to other mothers, to fathers and other families, said Michaela. Microdosing involves taking small doses of the psychedelic drug in various homemade forms, including pills, gummies, even chocolate. <laughs> Little do these people at CBS 8 know. <laughs> According to Michaela, her relationship with microdosing isn't unique, saying there are other local moms from all walks of life doing the same. Well, that's amazing. It's just trickling out there, people. It's going mainstream. I keep saying it. And you know who else is saying it is salon.com. Headline Psychedelics permanently alter your understanding of what has consciousness study says are trees rocks or rivers conscious your answer may change depending on what drugs you've taken okay salon here we go those who have experimented with psychedelics often describe a sensation of connectedness with objects around them things like rocks trees or rivers Sometimes the connectedness is more literal as high doses of psychedelic drugs like LSD may cause users to believe the walls are talking to them. Really? Wow, that never happened to me. And all my big mega doses, you know, the, the walls never a- talk. Um, now researchers have found that a single psychedelic experience can leave users with enduring cognitive changes. Following a trip many subjects assigned higher levels of consciousness to both living and non-living things alike to be clear the study published in frontiers in psychology was a survey of psychedelic users and did not actually administer drugs to its subjects participants simply displayed a shift in beliefs their revelations post psychedelic use were not of the superstitious variety but rather represented a philosophical attitude change. These impacts persisted with survey respondents reporting an average of eight years after the experience in question. That what they, and then what happened after year eight, they forgot everything and, and, <laughs> and they're like, mm, they turned into a terrible person. Again. I don't know. I, I don't, <laughs> I don't really think rocks and trees, rivers are objects in the first place, but I don't know. Maybe. I guess maybe I'm part of that study. I don't know. Emerging from a decades-long dark age for psychedelics research, a proto-renaissance in the field abounds. Studies have poured out of institutions as regulations weaken, 
offering further counters to Schedule 1 classification of hallucinogens and other psychedelics. Likewise, psychedelic legalization efforts have begun to snowball following decriminalization in Oregon, Denver, Oakland, Santa Cruz, and smaller municipalities. Similar decriminalization efforts have entered the arena of state legislation this year, along with a continuous trickle of cannabis legalizations, with one decriminalization bill having been passed in the U.S. House. Wow. So, still going mainstream. One more thing. PRNewsWire.com headline, Why Psychedelics Could Soon Replace Antidepressants. And here's the article. Anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the U.S., affecting approximately 40 million adults each year. And despite the abundance of anti-anxiety medications available, treatment resistance occurs in roughly 30% of patients. Anxiety disorders have a significant economic impact on the U.S. healthcare system, costing between $42.3 billion and $46.6 billion annually, meaning it's essential to find alternative treatment options. That's a lot of pharmaceuticals. Yeah. Luckily, new research reveals that psychedelics may be the answer. Clinical trial results show that psilocybin, a potent psychedelic, has antidepressant effects in patients with depression and is more effective than escitalopram, which is some prescription drug. Of course, this is just one of the many successful studies involving the use of psychedelics as a treatment for mental illness. Companies like Cybin, which we've talked about before, Seedlose Therapeutics, MindMed, Compass Pathways, some of these companies are out there and they are paving the way for this new psychedelic reality. But just for a minute, just for a little bit longer, it's still illegal. So I just want to remind you of this as I read you this article from justice.gov. Headline, local man charged for importing powerful psychedelic. Uh, Not legal everywhere, huh? Not in the Southern District of Texas, it seems. No. This has been McAllen, Texas. A 25-year-old McAllen resident has been indicted for importing dimethyltryptamine from Brazil, announced U.S. Attorney Jennifer Lowry. Today, a federal grand jury returned a four-count indictment against Mario Alberto Molina. He is expected to appear before U.S. Magistrate Judge Nadia Madrano for his arraignment in the near future. According to the complaint originally filed in the case, authorities performed a routine inspection of an inbound package originating from Brazil in Miami, Florida. It was allegedly destined for Molina's residence in McAllen. The charges allege the package was purported to be marked as natural dye for tie-dye purposes, but authorities allegedly discovered a powdery substance later determined to be 4.5 kilograms of DMT. So what does that equal 2.2 is a pound? So that's two pounds of DMT. Wow, straight from Brazil. 
On April 7th, law enforcement executed a controlled delivery of the package at Molina's residence, according to the complaint, after which they executed a federal search warrant. There, they allegedly found Molina and recovered the open package. You know, maybe he shouldn't have written that it was for tie-dye. Maybe that was the first uh, Makeup, something. I mean, I can't say that legally, but I'm not going to give you any advice. If convicted, Molina faces up to 20 years in federal prison. Oh, man. And a possible $1 million maximum fine. (sighs) It's a bummer. Be careful out there, people. So it's still illegal. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. We're getting there. Okay, so let's pivot out of there for a minute. Go until it's still another weird story. It is news that is beyond. So this is from mirror.co.uk. Headline, woman terrified by new home she claims is haunted by demon of girl who refuses to leave. The woman heard the entity call out hello from an empty room and has experienced footsteps pounding on walls and her personal items falling in the recent reign of terror. Interesting. And here's the article. A woman claims she has been left terrified by a demonic spirit haunting her home, which takes the form of a little girl. The victim had recently bought the house when she first was spooked as a child's voice called out hello from a nearby empty room, she says. Later, a gardener mowing her lawn asked her how many children she had as he heard a young person laughing while she was out and the house was empty. Chillingly, the haunting has worsened. In recent days, she hears pounding on walls, footsteps, and personal items falling from shelves. She claims, I have a demon in my house and I need help. I didn't know it was a demon at first, but it got worse and worse when my husband left for work for a couple of months. It's been terrifying, she says. I keep waking up at 3 a.m., wide awake with no explanation. So it sounds like she's still dealing with this. That's wild. Didn't you have a guest early on that dealt with things like that in people's houses? Yes, James Cloud. Right. And it looks like she did contact a spiritualist to help her deal with that. Okay. Well, wow. She, they're still out there. And back to space for a minute. Space.com. Headline, moon exploring astronauts could get oxygen and fuel from lunar rocks. The new results come courtesy of moon samples returned to Earth by China's Shangxi 5 mission. The dark side of the moon mission we keep talking about. Keeps coming up. Yeah. Um, Scientists at Najing University believe they can use compounds found in lunar soil to locally produce oxygen and fuel to support crewed moon missions. The team analyzed lunar samples collected by China's Shanxi 5 spacecraft in late 2020 and found that iron-rich and titanium-rich substances present in the moon material could act as a catalyst in a process using sunlight and carbon dioxide. 
The extraterrestrial photosynthesis strategy uses lunar soil to electrolyze water extracted from the moon into oxygen and hydrogen. This is incredible. Carbon dioxide exhaled by astronauts can also be combined with hydrogen from water electrolysis to produce hydrocarbons, including methane, which could be used as fuel, according to the new research. Wow, it could be like a closed loop system here. Right. <laughs> okay. So this is just one of the things that they are potentially thinking about as they establish, as NASA is saying, NASA is planning to establish a long-term sustainable human presence on the moon via its Artemis program. Artemis aims to return people to the lunar surface in 2025 and set up a research outpost near the lunar South pole a few years later. Wow. That's kind of the first I've heard of that. I, I don't, I don't know if I've heard of the Artemis program yet. Interesting. Yeah, that's that's wild to take uh, just the materials there and then turn them into what you need. I guess uh, that's probably just the precipice of a whole world. <laughs> wow. Okay. And speaking of worlds, <laughs> this is from khou.com headline. They're everywhere. NASA scientists saying there are likely hundreds of billions of exoplanets in the Milky Way. That's our galaxy, of course, if you don't know. Astronomers have discovered more than 5,000 exoplanets, but they say that's just a fraction of the likely hundreds of billions of exoplanets in the Milky Way galaxy. Wow. That just showed you the universe is teeming with life, even our own galaxy. They're saying hundreds of billions, the B. Okay, here we go. In the last 30 years, astronomers have discovered more than 5,000 exoplanets, but they say that's just a tiny fraction of the likely hundreds of billions of exoplanets in the Milky Way galaxy. Some of the oldest stars have planets, NASA astrophysicist Patty Boyd said. I manage a group of scientists that study exoplanets and stellar astrophysics. From Earth, Boyd gazes beyond her wildest dreams. In the 90s, she said, we finally had the technology and the methods to be able to detect these tiny self-luminous objects around other stars. It's been just a bounty of discovery. NASA's official planetary odometer has eclipsed 5,000. Among the cosmic milestone is a world orbiting two stars called Kepler-16b that's similar to Tatooine from Star Wars. <laughs> Boyd said there are hundreds of billions of planets, exoplanets out there. Hundreds of billions? So of those hundreds of billions of planets, there is a good chance that you'll find a solar system that has a planet like Earth and an orbit like ours and a star like ours. There's a pretty good chance. And we should know there's probably other type of life out there. Yes, of course. It in, seems insane not to. It's like. Right. How could there be hundreds of billions and then like. It's like if you see home. a swarm yeah. of bees and. <laughs> 
you see the swarm of bees. It's, somebody looks at you and says, there's no swarm of bees. Bees don't there's exist. only one bee or yeah. And no you're bee. looking at all the beehives and there's just like, you're like, dude. Okay. Wow. Well, we're learning more every day and daily like scitechdaily.com headline. Stanford's futuristic gravity telescope could image exoplanets 1,000 times more powerful than current technology. See, they can kind of see the gases coming off these exoplanets as they pass by stars. There's very crude, you could say, means. But now they're going to get these HD images eventually of these exoplanets. And that's when things are going to go wild. Okay, so here's the article. A futuristic gravity telescope technique conceptualized by standard astrophysicists could enable astronomical imaging significantly more advanced than any present today. In the time since the first exoplanet was discovered in 1992, astronomers have discovered more than 5,000 planets orbiting other stars. Yes, we just learned that. However, when astronomers detect a new exoplanet, we learn relatively little about it. We know that it exists and a few features about it, but the rest is a mystery. To sidestep the physical constraints of telescopes, Stanford University astrophysicists have been developing a new conceptual imaging technique that would be 1,000 times more precise than the strongest imaging technology currently in use. By taking advantage of gravity's warping effect on space-time called gravitational lensing, scientists could potentially manipulate this phenomenon to create imaging far more advanced than any currently available. In a paper published May 2nd in the Astrophysical Journal, the researchers describe a way to manipulate solar gravitational lensing to view planets outside our solar system. By positioning a telescope, the sun and exoplanet, In a line with the sun in the middle, scientists could use the gravitational field of the sun to magnify light from the exoplanet as it passes by, as opposed to a magnifying glass, which has a curved surface that bends light, a gravitational lens has a curved space-time that enables imaging far-away objects. What? Whoa! That's interesting, just even using that terminology. And it seems like it was just in 2020 that the imaging technique was explored in detail to observe other planets. So this is cutting-edge technology here. Space-time bending technology. They're, they're, they're bending the gravitational to somehow amplify the light that they could see farther away. Uh, here's a quote. The solar gravitational lens opens up an entirely new window for observation. This will allow investigation of the detailed dynamics of the planet atmospheres as well as the distributions of clouds and surface features, which we have no way to investigate now. Whoa. So we're going to see those. We're going to see those, uh, those HD images of Earth. And you know who probably already has them? Those are good friends from China. Nature.com. 
Here's the headline. China is hatching a plan to find Earth 2.0. They want to find it first. They have a satellite that will scour the Milky Way for exoplanets orbiting stars just like the sun. After sending robots to the moon, landing them on Mars, and building its own space station, China is now eyeing distant solar systems. This month, scientists will release detailed plans for the country's first mission to discover exoplanets. The mission will aim to survey planets outside the solar system in other parts of the Milky Way with the goal of finding the first Earth-like planet orbiting in the habitable zone of a star just like the sun. Astronomers think such a planet, called an Earth 2.0, would have the right conditions for liquid water and possibly life to exist. With current technology and telescopes, it is extremely hard to find the signal of small Earth-like planets when their host stars are one million times heavier and one billion times brighter, says Jesse Christensen, an astrophysicist at the NASA Exoplanet Science Institute at California Institute of Technology in Pasadena. That's a lot of words. The Chinese mission called Earth 2.0 hopes to change that. It will be funded by the Chinese Academy of Sciences and is wrapping up its early design phase. If the designs pass a review by a panel of experts in June, the mission team will receive funding to start building the satellite. The team plans to launch the spacecraft on a long march rocket before the end of 2026. The Earth 2.0 satellite is designed to carry seven telescopes that will observe the sky for four years. Six of the telescopes will work together to survey the Cygnus Lyra constellations. Mm -hmm. mm, the same patch of sky that the Kepler telescope scoured. Why are they looking at the Cygnus Lyra, the Lyrans? Mm, interesting. The Kepler field is a low-hanging fruit because we have very good data from there, says Xinji, the astronomer leading the Earth 2.0 mission at the Shanghai Astronomical Observatory of the Chinese Academy of Sciences. Wow. Our satellite can be 10 to 15 times more powerful than NASA's Kepler telescope in its sky surveying capacity, says G. Wow. Okay. Well, you know, they made it to the far side of the moon first. They might make it to the first Earth-like planet. <clears throat> you never know. Or not. Or it's just a collaborative effort. It all depends on if that planet wants us to be there. Exactly. I was going to say, there's an assumption there. Like, oh, we found it. Okay, now it's ours. <laughs> like, I know. Like, uh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Could be already inhabited, you know. Okay, well, you know, we like to talk about cryptocurrency on Beyond the News. So real quick, I'm just going to do one article. Fortune.com headline, California becomes first state to try to regulate cryptocurrency. Okay, this is interesting. Here's the article. California, which has an economy larger than all but four countries, 
and where much of the world's technological innovation is born, on Wednesday in May became the first state to formally begin examining how to broadly adapt to cryptocurrency and related innovations. Following a path laid out by President Joe Biden in March, Governor Gavin Newsom of California signed an executive order for state agencies to move in tandem with the federal government to craft regulations for digital currencies. It also calls for officials to explore incorporating broader blockchain computer coding into the government operations. Interesting. Blockchain starting to take off, it seems. Evolving blockchain and cryptocurrency technology, quote, is potentially an explosive creator of new companies and new jobs and new opportunities, quote, said D.D. Myers, a senior advisor to Newsom and director of the governor's office of business and economic development. So there are a lot of opportunities, she said. There are also a lot of unknowns in the industry. And so that's another reason we want to engage early. Okay. So cryptocurrency, the cryptocurrency revolution is still happening. It's, it's a slow burn, but 15 years from now, we're going to be looking back with our minds blown as we all use digital currency. And those who bought in early are filthy, stinking rich. <laughs> mm-hmm. And of course, uh, they want to get it regulated. And there's still time. So people, hopefully, I can't give you financial advice, but hopefully you're listening to some of our previous guests who have suggested, like I have suggested to stash a few hundred or whatever you can stash every month, put it into a reoccurring transaction and just purchase that Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ripple, whatever you feel. I can't give you advice, whatever you're into, but figure it out. Dive into the cryptocurrency world. Let's pivot to UFOs. We just have a handful of stories left. Fox8.com headline. Quote, need to find out UFO sighting soaring over Ohio. Oh, really? Ohio. It's it's taken off. Here's the article. It's a busy year in the skies above Ohio with UFO sightings soaring. In recent months, a number of unexplained flying objects have been reported in Akron, Mayfield Heights, Crestline, and other communities. Some of the objects resemble aircrafts that were recently recorded by the military off the coast of Florida, while others defy all explanation. Quote, and from an aeronautical point of view, some of these shapes make no sense. Quote, said Robert Switek, investigator and board member with MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network, Tom Braden, he's on the show. Oregon MUFON. In this report, Switek explains why Ohio is once again in the top 10 states for sightings and how MUFON is now working with the government to finally discover the truth about UFOs. Quote, because if they're just penetrating airspace with impunity, we need to find out, he said. 
So if you need to report a sighting, check out MUFON. I think it's MUFON.org. And UFOs are still going mainstream. The information gets leaked out live. Science.com headline. UFOs left radiation burns and unaccounted for pregnancies. Oh, dear. New Pentagon report claims. Whoa, this is everything that they've been saying. People have been saying this. The testimony of the people. It was those NASA pictures they sent out of the couple. 1,500 pages of UFO-related research were just declassified as part of a Freedom of Information Act request. Wow, the, the pregnancies. Oof, it's true. It's all true. Okay, here we go. I mean, Elena Denan, Elena Denan, one of our guests was impregnated and then the baby was taken before she could give birth to it. She had a hybrid being. Here we go. Encounters with UFOs have reportedly left Americans suffering from radiation burns, brain and nervous system damage, and even unaccounted for pregnancy according to a massive database of u.s government reports recently made public through a freedom of information act request the database of documents includes more than 1500 pages of ufo related material from the advanced aerospace threat identification program a secretive U.S. Department of Defense program that ran from 2007 to 2012. Despite never being classified as secret or top secret, the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program only became known to the public in 2017 when former program director Luis Elizondo resigned from the Pentagon and released several now infamous videos of an unidentified aircraft moving in seemingly impossible ways to the media. Shortly after its existence was revealed, the U.S. outpost of the British tabloid The Sun filed an FOIA request for any and all documents related to the program. Four years later, on April 5th, 2022, the U.S. Defense Intelligence Agency honored the request by releasing more than 1,500 pages of material to the Sun. And according to the Sun, the cache of documents includes reports on the biological effects of UFO sightings on humans, studies on advanced technologies such as invisibility cloaks, and plans for deep space exploration and colonization. Some portions of the documents were withheld in part for privacy and confidentiality concerns. One standout from the collection is a report titled Anomalous Acute and Subacute Field Effects on Human and Biological Tissues. Real catchy title. Dated March 2010. The report describes alleged injuries to human observers by anomalous advanced aerospace systems, some of which may be a threat to United States interests, according to the document. The report describes 42 cases from medical files and 300 unpublished cases where humans sustained 
injuries after alleged encounters with anomalous vehicles, which include UFOs. In some cases, humans showed burn injuries or other conditions related to electromagnetic radiation, the report said. Some of them appearing to have been inflicted by energy-related propulsion systems. This just came out, people. They released this. A month ago. That's crazy. That's some. The report also noted cases of brain damage, nerve damage, heart palpitations, and headaches related to anomalous vehicle encounters. Oh my God. I can't believe that they're, this is just like not screaming all over the news. No, they just kind of slipped it in there because then later they could be like, well, we said, I mean, it was out there. Yeah, and they're not really touching on the pregnancy aspect in this article, but there's some information about that. So we're going to, we're going to follow up on that. Yeah. (laughs) They got to read through those 1500 pages a little more and then maybe there'll be some more info. Okay. So the last few articles here are moving away from aliens, potentially unless the aliens built the pyramids. We're just going to talk about a few more things and we always end with a weird one and then a funny one. But then before that, we have this one, which is MSN.com. Headline, scientists want to use cosmic rays to map the Great Pyramid of Giza's secrets. And here we go. A new effort to scan Egypt's Great Pyramid of Giza using energetic particles from space could help scientists see inside the ancient structure and glean new details about its mysterious inner chambers. The Great Pyramid is the largest pyramid of Giza, and the only one of the seven wonders of the ancient world left standing. Researchers working with the Exploring the Great Pyramid mission are raising money to develop a high-powered telescope to map its internal makeup from all angles. The device would have upwards of 100 times the sensitivity of equipment that is previously been used to study the archaeological site, said the project's leader, Alan Bross, a staff scientist at the Fermi National Accelerator Laboratory, a government-run facility in Batavia, Illinois. The telescope would scan the pyramid with cosmic ray muons, high-energy particles that are created when cosmic rays from outer space rain down and collide with atoms in the Earth's atmosphere. I remember we read another article about muons. Yeah, a few they come up. Ago. They're they're part of the quantum uh, physics reality. They talk about muons a lot. They're elementary particles. Cosmic ray muons can pass through solid objects more effectively than X-rays, allowing scientists to peer inside structures that are normally impenetrable. As muons move through the pyramid, the high-energy particles interact with different materials, granite or limestone, for instance, or air in an open cavity, deflecting their energy and light in measurable ways. Researchers can use the measurements to create detailed maps of its interior, Broth said. Wow. Okay. So they're going to use the muons and they're going to map it all out. We're going to see all these secrets that we're never going to actually see. (laughs) 
But they've they're, been wanting. They're gonna find they've it. They've been wanting to map that out for so long. So. They're gonna get it, but then we're not gonna find anything because that's probably where they're gonna find the alien artifacts and, and they're gonna things. be like uh never mind the uh the muons didn't did work didn't let's work. move yeah. on Anyways. move on from the muons yeah. okay so this is a little morbid and strange but also funny in the end <laughs> this is from washingtonian washingtonian.com headline dc nightclub apologizes for displaying the dead body of a maryland rapper on stage wait what DC nightclub Bliss issued an apology Monday after a video of slain Maryland rapper Markel Morrow went viral on social media. The footage shows the embalmed body of the up and coming rapper propped up on stage inside the night spot while mourners sang and danced around him. That sounds like a great way to celebrate his life. Morrow who rapped under the stage name Gunu was killed during a suspected robbery in Prince George's County last month, according to NBC Washington. The homegoing celebration titled the final show had a $40 cover charge to enter the club. The videos received backlash from appalled and disturbed social media users who thought the party was unusual and disrespectful. Bliss released a statement in response to the negative comments, apologizing to those who may be upset or offended about the party and claiming the management wasn't made aware of what would transpire. But the family, here's where it gets interesting. The family told Fox five that they participated in the celebration and it was how they wanted to honor the rapper's life. For all the negatives, people probably don't even know nothing about us. His mother, Patrice Morrow, said in an interview with the TV station, they have no idea. People just saying what they want to say, and that's fine. That's perfectly fine. I'm pleased with how I sent my son away. I wish people would just let me grieve in peace. The Prince George County's police department is still investigating the shooting that led to Morrow's death. The department has offered a reward of up to $25,000 for information that would lead to an arrest of a suspect. So see, everybody thought it was this weird, strange thing. They're like, did somebody steal the body? What's happening? But it was how they wanted to celebrate his life. Right. It was just like a wake and like, like yeah. an open casket wake type of thing. Exactly. Yeah. And, and but. most people didn't understand. So there you go. Gunu, wherever you are right now, I hope you're having an incredible time and, and writing rhymes on the other side. You graduated, buddy. I'm sorry you had to go out so violently. You graduated. We're talking about you. You're rapping with source right now. And here we go. We got one more left. This is a funny one. This is from futurism.com, our final article for Beyond the News this week. Headline, scientists say key to feeding world may be human urine, which I always thought was a liquid, but you know, whatever. Here we go. An increase in water shortages and greenhouse gas emissions 
is a serious enough problem that scientists are willing to go to any lengths to save the world. One trick in the arsenal, reusing human pee, they say. A group of scientists told the French news service AFP today that human urine may be a way to better fertilize large-scale agricultural produce than current methods farmers use. Plants need nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium to grow and produce fruit. But modern chemical versions of these fertilizers increase greenhouse gases and make waterways inhabitable in some cases. Enter human micturate, which contains all of the above. Julia Cavici from the United States Rich Earth Institute said that urine accounts for about 80% of the nitrogen found in wastewater and more than half of the phosphorus. That's a rich resource that ag business could use if urine diversion and collection infrastructure got built out. I mean, doesn't it sound like they're just going back to organic farming rather than chemical fertilizers? Yeah. That's causing pollution, causing waterways to become unusable and, and, you know, all of the, all the toxins that are produced by fertilizer manufacturing. So, I mean, haven't people used that for a while now? Well, they feel that overcoming our squeamishness against pee diversion systems should get easier as water shortages potentially increase. Well, look, we live on a planet full of water. I mean, yes, it's not fresh drinking water, but I have a feeling that human inspiration, we put our mind to it, we can use that ocean water. And I know there are desalinization plants. But I mean, human will, inspiration, the problem is there. The solution presents itself. It's pretty basic universal law. I'm not worried about running out of water, people. I'm sorry. It it sounds like they're saying, I mean, that's what I thought the article was about, was actually drinking human urine. But it sounds more like they're using the urine to fertilize plants for farms for the food that we're eating. And maybe drinking the water as well. Maybe. I did actually see an article about uh, them doing that in Santa Fe, New Mexico, talking about turning urine into drinking water. Interesting. Delicious. All right. Well, that's it, folks. This is this week's episode, Beyond the News. I hope you enjoyed it. (laughs) I try to keep everyone abreast of these Strange developments that happen, psychedelia going mainstream, space exploration, AI expanding, knowledge expanding in all of these sectors with a little quirkiness and other things woven in. So we'll be back next week, of course, with a guest and then in six episodes. I guess it would be five at that point. Every seventh episode, we do these beyond the news episodes. So definitely come back midnight on earth.com. If you're a long time listener, check out my appearance on blue Cobra peeps, uh, a YouTube channel. It's Howard hits YouTube channel. We did a zoom panel. I'm on there cracking jokes, having a good old time. 
And Bryn, is there anything you want to say? Thank you for being here, by the way. Yeah, thanks. It's always super fun. I hope that uh, the next Beyond the News episode, you will have found some further information to some of these articles. Well, we, there is a the progression, yeah. you know, is there anyone you're thinking of particularly actually? <laughs> I'm wondering which one you're thinking Many of. Many of them. Really? Is there one you're focused on more than others? Uh, well, let's see. Maybe some more of those 1500 pages of the alien archives that just got cracked Okay. by the sun, maybe. Uh, There's a lot going you know, on. There's, There's a, lot. a lot going on. Okay. So on that note, everyone, thank you for joining us. Check out brand vitalforceherbs.com, bluecobracbd.com, our original sponsor. We'll see you next week, midnight on earth. Bless you guys. 